Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God is just, I mean, yes, he's speaking in the whirlwind in all of its power. <laughs> it must have been just very intense. But don't think for a second that this is God in his wrath. No. This is God in his character and what he's saying is, this is who I am, yet I am mindful of you. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. When your perspective of God is one of fear, it's easy to misinterpret his displays of power. As Pastor J.D. explains in today's message, God doesn't want his followers to fear him. When he rises up and displays his omnipotence, it's to remind you that he is on your side. And no enemy or trial you face is a match for him. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in chapter 38 of the book of Job. Verse 1, chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, verse 2, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? I I was uh, reading some of the commentators, and there are some who believe, and I kind of lean in this direction, that even though he's answering Job directly, he, he's talking about the other guys too, particularly Elihu. Who, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now, verse 3, he says to Job, prepare yourself like a man. This carries with it the idea of In that culture, in that day, the men wore robes, long robes. And so it kind of carries with the idea of gird your loins, you know, pull them up. And kind of, we would say in our day, kind of man up. (laughs) Prepare yourself like a man. And then he says, I will question you. Oh, because have they not, Job included, been up to this point questioning God? I will question you and you shall answer me. I would imagine that they were frozen in place and didn't move and probably wouldn't breathe, but did because they had to. First four, first question. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or verse 8, Who shut in the sea with doors? That's interesting imagery. When it burst forth and issued from the womb. 
When I made the clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band. When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors. When I said, this far you may come, but no farther. And here your proud waves must stop. Every time I I think of the Psalms and I think of this passage. Every time I'm at the beach. Those waves, I, I can just imagine... Uh, You can't go any further than that, can you? (laughs) Because God said that you don't go any further than that. The waves obey his command. Verse 12. Have you commanded the morning since your days began? And caused the dawn to know its place? That it may take hold of the ends of the earth? And the wicked be shaken out of it? It takes on form like clay under a seal and stands out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and the upraised arm is broken. Have you entered the springs of the sea? Or have you walked in search of the depths? Have you gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. (laughs) If I'm Job, notice I said if I'm Job, I didn't say if I'm one of the three so-called friends. I'm not going to identify myself with with those guys, you know, and neither are you as well. But if I'm Job, I, I can't say a word. I mean, obviously, tell me if you know all this. I don't know all this. I don't know any of this. Where is the way, verse 19, to the dwelling of light? And darkness, where is its place that you may take it to its territory, that you may know the paths to its home? Do you know it because you were born then? (laughs) Or because the number of your days is great? Have you entered the treasury of snow? Or have you seen the treasury of hail? What a sight that would be. Which I have reserved, verse 23, for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. By what way is light diffused? Or the west wind scattered over the earth? Who has divided a channel for the overflowing water? Or a path for the thunderbolt to cause it to rain on a land where there is no one. A wilderness in which there is no man. To satisfy the desolate waste and cause to spring forth the growth of tender grass. Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice and the frost of heaven? Who gives it birth? Um, you do? Yeah, I do that. Not you. The waters, verse 30, harden like stone and the surface of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the cluster of the plates or loose the belt of Orion? Talking about the universe and the constellations. Can you bring out Maseroth in its season? Or can you guide the great bear with its cubs? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you set their dominion over the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that an abundance of water may cover you? By the way, the right answer to every single one of these is no. No. 
Can you send out lightnings that they may go and say to you, Here we are. Who has put wisdom in the mind? Or who has given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Or who can pour out the bottles of heaven? When the dust hardens in clumps and the clods cling together, can you hunt the prey for the lion? Or satisfy the appetite of young lions when they crouch in their dens or lurk in their lairs to lie in wait? Who provides food for the raven? Well, if the ravens relied on me to provide food for them, there would be no ravens. I can't do that. No, you can't. When its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food. (laughs) Oh my, oh my goodness. What a big chapter. Probably goes without saying, but it is packed full with so much. And what I love about this is that God is finally having the final word. You know what's interesting is, I don't know if you notice this or not, but the progression of how God starts with the foundations of the earth. Who can, who can comprehend that? And then he goes from the foundations of the earth to the creations on the earth, and he'll continue on in the next chapter. What's God doing here? What, what, what is, where's God going with this? Well, God is displaying his omniscience, his omnipotence, and his omnipresence. There are two truths in the universe for which nobody can dispute. There is a God, and I'm not him. Let me say it again. Two truths. There is a God, and number two, you and I are not him. And it's like, and please don't think that God is just, I mean, yes, he's speaking in the whirlwind in all of its power. (laughs) It must have been just very intense. But don't think for a second that this is God in his wrath. No. This is God in his character. And what he's saying is, this is who I am. Yet, I am mindful of you. I created you. I think about what David wrote in the Psalms. What is man that you're mindful of him? How about Isaiah? Very descriptive when he describes how that God through the prophet Isaiah says, I, my thoughts towards you are so numerous. Check it out. He thinks about us more often than there are sands on the seashore. That's how often he thinks of us. Yet he is all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing. And yet his thoughts towards us are innumerable. They're too numerous to even count. Chapter 39, he continues. Do you know the time 
when the wild mountain goats bear young? Or can you mark when the deer gives birth? Can you number the months that they fulfill? Or do you know the time when they bear young? They bow down, they bring forth their young, they deliver their offspring. Their young ones are healthy, they grow strong with grain, they depart and do not return to them. Who set the wild donkey free? Who loosed the bonds of the onager? That's another name for a wild donkey. Whose home have I made the wilderness and the barren land his dwelling? He scorns the tumult of the city. He does not heed the shouts of the driver. The range of the mountains is his pasture and he searches after every green thing. Will the wild ox be willing to serve you? Will he bed by your manger? Can you bind the wild ox in the furrow with ropes or will he plow the valleys behind you? Will you trust him because his strength is great or will you leave your labor to him? Will you trust him to bring home your grain and gather it to your threshing floor? And then verse 13 is interesting. The wings of the ostrich wave proudly. Oh, oh, really? Do, do you, do you kind of get the impression that God is kind of, he's got a sense of humor here? He does. You know, some of the animals um, and, and some of God's creation, I should probably read the rest of verse 13. He says, the wings of the ostrich wave proudly, but are her wings and pinions like the kindly storks? <laughs> In other words, they have wings, but they don't fly. Well, then why did you create them that way? Ah, just variety. No. Not just because I wanted to, because I can. Because I, I just wanted to create. Yeah, but what purpose? No, just, just because. That's why. Verse 14. For she leaves her eggs on the ground and warms them in the dust. She forgets that a foot may crush them or that a wild beast may break them. She treats her young harshly as though they were not hers. Her labor is in vain without concern. Because God, verse 17, deprived her of wisdom and did not endow her with understanding. When she lifts herself on high, she scorns the horse and its rider. Have you given the horse strength? Have you clothed his neck with thunder? Can you frighten him like a locust? His majestic snorting strikes terror. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He gallops into the clash of arms. He mocks at fear and is not frightened, nor does he turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, the glittering spear and javelin. He devours the distance with fierceness and rage, nor does he come to a halt because of the trumpet has sounded. At the blast of the trumpet, he says, Aha! He smells the battle from afar, the thunder of captains and shouting. I made him that way. Did you? No. Does the hawk, verse 26, fly by your wisdom and spread its wings toward the south? Does the eagle mount up at your command and make its nest on high? On the rock it dwells and resides on the crag of the rock and the stronghold. From there it spies out its prey. 
Its eyes observe from afar. Its young ones suck up blood. And where the slain are, there it is. You know why? Because I made them that way. Did you? No. Then where do you get off on questioning me? No, you don't question me. I question you. Again, don't imagine that, that God is angry in saying all of this, in questioning them. But I think that there's a somber lesson to learn in all of this. And it's this. You know how we flippantly say, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, blah, 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 blah. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm going to ask God, when I get, when I get there, no, you're not. You know what? what first of all, when you get there, you're going to be like this. <laughs> you're, you're going to be as speechless as Job and his three so-called friends and even Elihu were when God spoke. You're just going to be in awe. You know the, the three responses that there's going to be in heaven? I, I heard this when I was very young, and it always stuck with me. Three responses when we get to heaven. First response, uh, I'm here. Second response, they're here? See, just as I said that, somebody came to mind too. I could tell just by the look on your face. They're here? Here's the third response. Where are they? The three responses when we get to heaven. We're not going to be asking God any questions. For all eternity, we're going to be worshiping him, learning of him. For a thousand years in the millennium, we're going to be ruling and reigning with him, seated on the throne as his bride by his side, ruling and reigning with him. <laughs> None of that's going to matter. None of that. John says, we will know this. Thank God for this. We will know no man after the flesh. You know, you're, you know sometimes I'll, I'll get asked, are we going to know each other in heaven? I love how one answered that question. It's a little blunt, but it's, it's a sanctified blunt. He said, well, of course we are. We're not going to be more stupid in heaven than we are down here. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know who you are in heaven. I'm going to know who Artie is in heaven. I'm going to pray that he's not taller than me in heaven, but <laughs> he's, what, 6'5"? Yeah, yeah. Instead of six feet tall, I'm going to be 6'5 with hair, like you. Yeah, I just want to be like Artie in heaven. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, well, that's as far as we're going to get tonight. But let me just uh, close this way. I don't know if you uh, noticed, but conspicuously absent from any of this is any explanation on God's part as to why Job is suffering. And again... Don't think for a second that God is being cruel or that God is ignoring Job in not answering his questions. The fact of the matter is God is answering Job, just not in the way that Job wanted God to answer him. I would suggest that God's answer to all of Job's questions is found in God himself. God's the answer. And that's why he's answering in that way. And that's why he reminds Job 
who he is. You know, interesting. Um, God commands and is in control of every detail of his creation. Now, why would God highlight and emphasize how he commands the waves? He, he rules and reigns over all of his creation, even the ostrich. He's completely in control of everything. Why? Because for, for Job, everything's out of control. And what he's reminding Job of is, I control everything. I even am in control of what you're going through. And maybe that's for somebody here tonight that just needs to hear that and be reminded of that. Well, you know that, but you just need to be reminded. And, and I know sometimes it can sound cliche, and I, and I wish it didn't, but we just in a canned sort of way, say God's in control. You know, you know what that means? God is in control. Yeah, everything in my life is out of control. Nothing makes sense, but God makes sense out of everything. God is in control of every, the wings on the fowl of the air, the bear and its cubs, all of his creation. He, he commands the treasury of where hail is, the treasury of hail. That means there's a treasury of hail. He commands the hail. The, the hail is at his beckoning command, the snow, the treasury of snow. Job, I control all of that. You don't think I can control what you're going through right now? Because truth be made known, Job thinks that nothing's in order. Nothing's being controlled. That this is even out of God's control, that somehow God has deemed it fit to just release his hand of control from Job's life. Yeah, but but this this is this is too much for me. Oh oh it is? Do you think it was too much for me to to lay the foundations of the earth? If if I can do that, do you think I can take care of this? I can control this. I can do this. If I can do that, I can do this, right? If I can do all of that, you think I can do this? We always say, well, there's, there's nothing too hard for the Lord but, or, or too big for the Lord. But have you ever thought about that there's nothing too small for the Lord either? I mean, that, that, that little thing. Oh, but, but God's not going to be concerned with that. I mean, he's got a universe to run, right? No. I'm in control of everything. I know everything down to the number of hairs on your head, Job. And I'm in control. And I'll have the final word. Because I'm God. So fear not. The book of Job shares the story of a man who has lost everything, but still clung to his faith in the goodness of God. This is an unusual concept, especially in a world that typically blames God for the evil that is around the world. God is still good no matter the difficulties you are facing in your own life. God is in control, and He will bring things to the conclusion He knows is right and perfect. He provides the peace and comfort you'll need to endure as well. Along with the strength to continue forging ahead, trust God, He's on your side. We hope you found encouragement and blessing through today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to connect with you, so please take time to visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. 
Follow our links to Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, and join the conversation already happening there. You'll learn more about our ministry at our website as well, and be able to catch the latest editions of the Mideast Prophecy Update. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes a look at current events of the world and compares them with scriptural teachings, sharing what God is teaching him through it all. You'll find these updates at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com as well as on our mobile app for Apple and Android phones. That brings us to the end of our time with you today. There's much more to discover in the book of Job. We hope you'll read ahead and ask God to reveal His truth through the words on the page. Join us on the next edition of In Spirit and Truth as Pastor J.D. continues his study in Job. 